If you're going to be your best during the day, you can't afford a lousy night's sleep. You can't afford a sleep number bed and get a great sleep all the time. The sleep number bed lets you choose your ideal comfort and support on each side. It's a perfect bed for couples. Their newest beds are so smart, they actually sense your every move and automatically adjust so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. They even have an adjustment for snoring. Now, does your bed do that? My sleep number setting is 90. My sleep IQ score last night was 87, and that really helps me. Sleep number beds cost about the same as a traditional mattress, lasting twice as long, and 91% of the owners recommend the bed. And right now, don't miss three amazing offers. Take up to $600 off, plus special financing, plus free home delivery ends on Monday. You'll only find Sleep Number at any of the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find one nearest you. Call 1-800-390-9100. Tell them George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. George Norrie back with Greg Braden and his latest work, Human by Design. And we'll get to your calls, too. We've got Greg for another hour here. Greg, as we were talking earlier about modern humans, and they've been around 200,000 years uh, Michael Cremo will believe that they've been along around here even longer than that. But regardless of the time period, they they seem to have, we seem to have, just sprung up all of a sudden. How did that happen? Well, this is a mystery, George, and this is where it reaches on what scientists now are calling the forbidden territory. What they're saying is that we're the result of a series of, of genetic modifications uh, human chromosome number two is mm-hmm. one of those that we talked about. And within human chromosome number two, there are a number of different genes. So uh, gene HBR1, for example, is, is responsible for the neocortex. It's the, you know, the, the big part of the brain that uh, allows us all of the, the uniquely human capabilities. We mentioned empathy, sympathy, compassion, self, self-regulation, George. That's the key. Uh, chromosome number seven it gives us the ability for complex speech and and to form the words and the syllables and to link those with the neurons in the brain in a way that no other form of life has, if those had happened slowly, gradually, over long periods of time, the evolutionary theory for humans, I think, would be a little bit more credible. The fact that they happened so quickly in such a tight period of time, right at that 200,000-year mark, says that something else had to have happened. Now, I, I don't know if we're ever going to know exactly what it was that happened. But I know until we let go of the obsolete story that is being taught as fact in our classrooms and our textbooks to free, uh, free ourselves and our scientific community to go after the, the new evidence and where it leads, we are stuck in a story that we've outgrown. It's no longer serving us. And when part of what, there's such a reluctance, George, in the, actually it's a resistance in mainstream media to share this, uh, the, these new discoveries. And even some of the very well-known biologists, Richard Dawkins, for example, is um, a perfect example. Uh, and he has such high visibility and there's such a potential for him to lead in a good way, in a positive way, uh, when it comes to this new information and these new discoveries. And what he does, he he, he has a statement. I mean, this is a quote. He says, it's absolutely safe to say that if you meet someone who claims not to believe in evolution, that person is ignorant, stupid, or insane. That's the end of the quote. So he's ridiculing the very essence of science is inquiry. And science is designed to be constantly updated 
as new information comes to light and to to ridicule scientists for asking the question. Now, he, he didn't say evolution when it comes to humans, but he mm-hmm. said evolution in general, and it was when the con- within the context of a, of a human conversation. So those kinds of statements from well-respected scientists and the reluctance uh, in the media to share when the documentaries are happening, for example, on evolution, there, uh, there have been some beautiful documentaries on evolution where the choice was made by the producers to exclude any information that does not support Darwin's theory, even though it is based in peer-reviewed science. So I was surprised, George, when I was researching this. I, I guess I'm, I'm surrounded by this information so much, I take for granted some of the discoveries, uh, such as the fact that we now know we are not descended from Neanderthals. And as I began to share this in mainstream audiences, I, I just came back, I was in... Um, in Switzerland, I was in uh, in London, Germany, South America. This was new new information to these people. They were still of the mindset that we are descended from Neanderthals, for example. Well, and I wanted to ask you about that. So, yeah. what if 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 we're not descended from them, and some of this new DNA evidence proves that we weren't? Yeah. What what happened to them? Why did they disappear? Well, they they died out because they the the thinking is. Climate change comes into this, and as a geologist, I find this interesting. We're living a period of climate change right now uh, that we were also living about 5,000 years ago. There was carbon dioxide on the Earth with, without industry, not as much, but it was also uh, triggering climate change then. 10,000 years ago, the end of the Ice Age uh, was right around t- uh, 10 to 12,000 years ago. And as the climate began to shift, they, for whatever reason, they didn't have the, the wherewithal or the, the intelligence to adapt and move to where they needed to be so that they could survive. They were trying to live where they had always lived, uh, and the climate simply didn't support that, whereas anatomically modern humans uh, that we now know emerged out of the European continent, not out of Africa, uh, had the intelligence to move and to adapt to the climate. So, uh, And again, if you put, a, if you put this skeleton of an anatomically modern, or the body of an anatomically modern human next to us today, you, for all intents and purposes, we're the same, George. You can't tell us apart. The one place, and this is fascinating to me, the one place where it is different is their brains were actually larger than our brains. That's interesting. And brain, you know, brains are all about surface area. And what we now have, uh, we have smaller brains but because we have more folds in our brain, the folds give us more surface area. So we are we now have more efficient brains, and, and that is an evolutionary process. Technically, we'd have more brains if you unraveled it all. Absolutely, right? yeah. yeah. Because each you know where the folds are. When you have the folds, it gives you more surface area for for more neurons. So that is one of the, one of the differences that has been found. But other oh, yes. than that, we're you know. For all intents and purposes, the, the scientific, the peer-reviewed scientific papers say the DNA is the same. So, and that's relatively new because it's only recently we've been able to extract the DNA from fossils, from the bone marrow. It sounds just like Jurassic Park stuff, except in the movie they reconstituted that DNA in, into the prehistoric forms of life. And to the best of my knowledge, we haven't done that yet, but we can build the genome and compare them to us. One of the first, the, the first places happened, George, in 1987. This is an amazing story. 1987, in a cave deep in the earth in northern Europe, the, the body of a Neanderthal 
baby girl was discovered, and she was either a fetus seven months along, still in the womb of her mother, or an infant two months after birth. They narrowed it down mm-hmm. to that range in, in terms of how, how old her body was. They dated her body to 30,000 years before present. Wow. So all of a sudden we had, uh, and she was so well-preserved in a way that we've never found before and never found. Was before. she buried as if they she, buried her in she, some she, kind of ceremony? didn't appear to be intentionally buried. However, she was in a cave deep in the earth. Uh, in, uh, it was in the northern part of uh, um, Russia and Siberia. All by herself, though. No other bones there. Uh, as far as I know, it was by herself. And, and it was her ribs that were preserved well enough to pull the DNA. So now here's where the story gets interesting. Remarkable. That discovery was made in 87. Scientists did not publish the results until the year 2000 in the very prestigious journal Nature. Uh, it took them from 1987 until the year 2000. And the, the, the last sentence of the last paragraph of the conclusion tells the whole story. And it says, we conclude uh, that the, the, there is not enough similarity in, in the DNA between Neanderthals and moderns to conclude uh, that, that we are the descendants of Neanderthals. Says we, in fact, are not descendants of Neanderthals. And that should have made headlines, I would think, in you know, major newspapers, USA Today, New York Times, and, and it's relegated to very obscure scientific journals. Scientists know this, but it's not common knowledge in the mainstream. It's not being taught in our classrooms. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.